But when we look at the tips on what to look for, if somebody is wondering, am I really a love addict? You want to look at the red flags of feeling empty or incomplete without another person. You jump into relationships very quickly. You struggle to feel excited and connected once you're in a relationship and the, the initial novelty has faded. You find yourself over and over again settling for less. You get into relationships because of the fear of being alone or being rejected or abandoned. You feel desperate. You'll never find anyone. You get into toxic relationships, relationships with addicts. You pick unavailable and, uh, and love avoidant partners. Th these are the signs it's time to slow down, do the work on these issues so you can get into more authentic relationships where you don't need someone for all these unhealthy reasons I just mentioned. Hi, I'm Talia and welcome to the Rebel Love Podcast, where each week I'll bring you a new episode exploring love, sex, relationships, and money. Join me as together we question, explore, and strive to understand. Welcome back to another episode of the Rebel Love Podcast. My guest today is Sherry Garber, LCSW, a licensed psychotherapist and certified recovery and transformation coach who's helped hundreds, if not thousands of people cope with codependency, love addiction, toxic relationships, as well as those struggling with depression, anxiety, trauma, single parenting, and divorce. Welcome, Sherry. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me and thank you for all the great work you're doing in the world. Well, thank you. I'm really excited to have this conversation today. I think love addiction is a real thing and I want to really learn more about it. So um, if you could share a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are now before we get started, that'd be great. Yeah, I started out working in addictions. I was working on the, the TV show Celebrity Rehab. I worked at a really famous celebrity rehab and I married an alcoholic. Uh, what I noticed, though, is everything I was doing was really towards the alcoholic rather than me, the codependent and love addict. So once I kind of had that realization, I woke up and I decided to really start spreading the word about my own love addiction, my multiple marriages, um, you know, what cause, what causes the addiction, sort of a way to take the shame out of love addiction. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you've lived it. I have um, lived it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so just for anyone listening who may not know, what is, what exactly is love addiction? So most people are really um, used to hearing about substance abuse, you know, addiction, but love addiction is really a process addiction. It's like a lifestyle addiction. So there are many process addictions like love addiction. There, you can have a food addiction, you can have a sex addiction, you can have an exercise or internet or gaming or shopping addiction. So we put love addiction in the um, category of a process addiction. Even you could even call it a soft addiction. And so you're basically addicted to a mood altering activity and behavior and it actually creates the same euphoric effects that a substance could cause. So the relationship or the romance um, or having someone, a partner, that is your whole identity. And so when a breakup occurs, there's this, you know, there's this withdrawal, just like a heroin addict would have a withdrawal from their heroin. Um, the love addict, you know, really longs for the attachment and all those pleasurable feeling hormones that they had when they were in that relationship just like the drug user is craving his drug. So it's quite similar. It's just manifests in a different way. Mm, so what happens when somebody breaks up then? Like, I mean, people, lots of people go through breakups, but how is a love addict's breakup? There's a withdrawal different? phase where they ap they're absolutely, you know, sort of out of control. Um, they may be texting, stalking. Um, they can't be alone. There's this chronic emptiness. Uh, thinking, 
a lot of love addicts actually attract toxic relationships. And one of the things we always say, and we'll get into that because I think that's one of our topics today, uh, is, you know, when you're in a toxic relationship or you're with someone that's a narcissist, we always recommend no contact for 30 days at least. That's one of the hardest things for a love addict. And then, of course, if you look at the dating age or the digital dating age, that is really, really difficult for a love addict as well because there's so much, you know, there can be so much rejection. It's not really rejection. It's just the the way dating is today, you know, swipe right, swipe left. So you're really, um, as a love addict, you're going to be much more vulnerable to predators, narcissists, addicts, and and the like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Makes sense. Um, so how common is it in the community for people to suffer from love addiction? So when you don't receive what you need as a child, if you've gone through some kind of, you know, abuse, um, your emotional growth is going to be stunted. You know, if you were neglected or abused, maybe had emotionally unavailable parents, maybe they were addicts, alcoholics, you suddenly are set up for very, very difficult adult relationships because you didn't need, you didn't get what you needed. You know, victims of trauma have sort of a false reality of themselves. They don't even know who they are. They don't know what their emotions are. They're almost sort of uh, invisible. That's because their parents really weren't there for them. So if they've been neglected or abused or had unavailable parenting, there's really no one to acknowledge them. So they learn at an early age that feelings didn't count. What they had to say didn't count. They weren't validated. And so they become very other focused. So they learn that everyone around them, these relationships are all that really matters. And that's really what, you know, they, they don't have a sense of who they are. So if you don't have an intimate relationship or connection with yourself, it's going to be really difficult to have a true intimate relationship with another partner. All your relationships become very other focused, which is really at the heart of love addiction and codependency. So, you know, a lot of people, I remember for me, I would say, oh, I, you know, I was in these relationships with unavailable people. Well, I deliberately picked them on some unconscious level because I was unavailable to me. So I couldn't really handle someone that was really connected to themselves because that would mean they'd be really connected to me. And that was repulsive to me because it was something I didn't know. And that that's why a lot of people go for that, you know, bad boy thing, because it, it's that person's really unavailable. And that's what this person's really used to. Mm. You know, you're looking outside okay. yourself to really fix your fear, your pain, your discomfort. And you only think for a love addict, it can come from a relationship. Right, right. And so what's the difference between love addiction and codependency? So they both are lifestyle addictions and they both are focusing on looking outside themselves to fill a real empty void inside of them. That's exactly how I felt when I wasn't in a relationship. And I always felt different. Uh, love addicts are always looking for a person uh, to take away their insatiable need to be loved. And codependents can be addicted to, a, a, excuse me, a relationship, but they also be, can addicted to places and things that give them purpose. They need to feel needed. Um, codependents and love addicts are often terrified of abandonment and they'll do anything to hold on to an, ex, you know, to a painful uh, relationship because they just, the thought of being alone is just too, too scary for them. Codependents, however, take it to a whole other level. They'll actually control, they'll manipulate the situation, they'll enable the person. I did a lot of that with my alcoholic husband just to, you know, I was, you know, obsessed with getting him sober. That way he would be available to me and he wouldn't leave me through his alcoholism. And of course, I really never had the control. I thought I did, but I never did. So Mm -hmm. for a codependent, nothing is too much trouble. They will give up their whole self for somebody else at any expense. Um, you know, for the person that they're involved with. They're willing to wait and hope 
and try harder to please and will take far more than 50% of the responsibilities, the guilt, and the blame when the relationship doesn't work. So codependents um, often have very low self-esteem. You know, deep inside, they actually believe they have to earn their right to be loved. And that's based on that early trauma I was talking about. So when codependents find, um, you know, when they control other people in situations, they, they make it being, they say that they're being helpful, but, and it's actually kind of manipulative because they're not really doing it to be helpful. They're doing it to, to ward off any sort of abandonment. Mm-hmm. So you, you spoke a little bit about before that these addictions start when we're younger, but if we recognize this, and I'll ask a little bit in a minute um, what some signs are, but is it possible to change and is it possible to get help and what does that look like? Oh, absolutely. Well, first of all, just being on this uh, podcast today, just listening to us have a conversation, it's called awareness. We're being conscious at this very moment to understand what is love addiction or codependency. So we're actually almost making a decision right here and now to change. You know, part of it is learning to stop looking for external solutions for problems to really understand that everything starts from the inside out. You really want to look at your fears. What are you afraid of? Are you afraid you're going to be alone forever? Are you afraid no one's going to love you? Are you afraid there's too many women out there, not enough men? I mean, whatever those fears are, really uh, sort of, you know, unlayering them. You want to move out of denial because often what happens is we know someone's not good for us, but we don't want to be alone. So we pretend that everything's okay. I mean, I, I think of my own, my, I, I did that certainly many times and my mother did it. She was with a con man after my dad died and she knew what he was, but she didn't care because the idea of being alone was just too scary for her. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also really important to examine suppressed trauma and childhood issues. Uh, so it's really important to work with a therapist, someone that can, you know, a coach is fine, but it's really not going to get to that trauma. I do something called somatic experiencing, which is a technique that I've been certified in to help people unleash that trauma. So really find a really good professional to work with like myself. And then you want to just be really loving and forgiving. You know, there's a reason that you, you got into these relationships. It's not, you didn't wake up one day and say, oh, I want to have all these breakups or I want to have all these heartaches. It's not really about that. It's that you learn certain things and now you have to unlearn them. And really just use all, you know, use the pain to grow, learn the pain to prepare for a really healthy relationship, really start trusting in yourself, which you will be able to trust yourself once you start working on this early childhood stuff, learn how to let go, find an on- online support group that I, I have a program called Wake Up Recovery. I think it'll be in your show notes and it's a program. It's a tribe. You know, there's nothing more helpful than being with a tribe of other people that have been through what you've been through. So I invite anyone to check out my link and, you know, you could join sex or love addict anonymous meetings. You know, the whole thing is, and that's why I created my tribe is to know that you're not alone. And that is one of the most healing things you can do to turn things around. Yeah. I imagine, I mean, I know that with like alcoholism, there's, you can go to rehab and you can actually go somewhere. And and as you just mentioned, there's some meetings you could go to for this as well, but I don't imagine there's a place you could go because I know I have seen some people actually, and I guess I didn't realize at the time that it was love addiction or any kind of addiction, but going back to someone that they know is, is just not good for them. And, 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 and the relationship's not healthy. Right. So it's just like this, this temptation 
all around. Well, it is great if they can find a program. I know of one program that people can go to, but it's very, very expensive. And most people don't have the money for something like that. I mean, we're talking $30,000, something to that effect. Could be Mm -hmm. more, could be a little less, but you know, if you have that kind of disposable income, yes, it's great because then you get into this isolated uh, place where you can work on these issues, really deal with your trauma. But that's not always an opportunity everybody can take. So that's why finding a great therapist or, you know, if you can't afford therapy, getting into a group like mine where you're working with a licensed therapist and you're, you're working with other people going through the same thing. You're getting educated. You're learning about what you can do. Um, you can take the skills that you're getting and kind of you know, apply them to your, to your life. And then when you maybe relapse, like a drug addict might relapse, or you may relapse and get into another bad relationship. You always have your, your tribe to kind of build you up. Um, you have the, myself, you know, the person leading the group to help, you know, get you back on track again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So we've talked about a few signs, but let's spell it out a little bit more. Um, what are some like clear cut signs that we may have a love addiction and not be aware of it or not kind of have thought of it in that way? Well, over adapting to what others want, having no boundaries, always saying yes when you really want to say no, fear of letting go, being alone, a fear of the unknown, fear of rejection, fear of abandonment, um, attempting to change others, really not accepting the person for who they are, sort of living in a delusion of who you want them to be rather than who they really are, needing someone else to make you feel whole, you know, looking for others for affirmation and for self-worth, for validation. Like I said earlier, fearing abandonment, fearing rejection, having those withdrawal symptoms, just feeling like you're just going to die without being with that person or being in a relationship. Um, You know, giving up who you are out of a fear that you might lose someone because they're no longer going to approve of you. I mean, those are definitely telltale signs. Never really being able to be alone, going from relationship to one relationship to the next. Those are definitely signs of love addiction. And at what degree do we kind of classify it as a love addiction? Because I know a lot of people who kind of like semi-fall into that category. How do we know that it's it's kind of like a, I don't want to say the word normal, but typical way of operation versus much deeper issue or addiction? Well, you know, I was going to answer this a little bit later, but when we look at the tips on how to, what to look for, if somebody is wondering, am I really a love addict? You want to look at the red flags of feeling empty or incomplete without another person. You jump into relationships uh, very quickly. You struggle to feel excited and connected once you're in a relationship and the, the initial novelty has faded. You find yourself over and over again settling for less. You get into relationships because of the fear of being alone or being rejected or abandoned. You feel mm. desperate. You'll never find anyone. You get into toxic relationships, relationships with addicts. You pick unavailable and, uh, and love-avoidant partners. So th- these are the signs it's time to slow down, do the work on these issues so you can get into more authentic relationships where you don't need someone for all these unhealthy reasons I just mentioned. And when you do that, you often, if you don't do that, you're going to end up settling for less and going from one relationship to the next and you know, losing parts of yourself. And, get, and I mean, the, the bottom line is you have to give yourself time to heal and do the work. A lot mm-hmm, of times people mm-hmm. aren't willing to do that. They have to be in a relationship. So, you know, if you're going from one to the next, there's a problem. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I imagine that'd be really hard for someone in this situation to be alone. Yeah. yeah. 
Hmm. Okay. Um, I guess well, I have a question about that. How long, I know this is probably not a practical question, but how long does it take? Like once we start this process of working on ourselves and being part of the support group and putting in the work with the therapist, how long, I know there's, you know, how long is a piece of string really that question, but what can we expect you know, yeah, I don't really have a cookie cutter answer. You know, I know like in 12 step programs, if you're, um, you know, an AA, you know, don't drink, um, you know, it's basically abstinence. You can't really do that with a love addiction. Cause you, you know, you do want to find love. You want to be in relationships. So I can't, I, I can just say this when you start really feeling connected to yourself, when you feel like, you know, you can be alone, you don't have to be in a relationship to feel whole. You know, I know for me, I had to spend a few years really getting to know myself. I took up some hobbies like outrigger canoeing. I didn't date. I just, you know, wanted to be in a place where I knew that no matter what, whether I was with someone or not with somebody, I was going to be happy. In fact, um, I'm in a new relationship. And just before I met him, or even actually not even just before, maybe a few months before I met him, I had told myself, you know, I may be alone the rest of my life. And you know what? That's okay. You know, I'm getting older. It's a little bit harder to meet people. Um, what turns out is I met someone five years younger. So it, it was all just a story in my head. But once I actually let go of this need to have somebody, I actually found somebody. Mm. Um, and it wasn't like I was ruling it out. I just really had happiness with my life. I felt my, like my life was full. I have my daughter, my grandchildren, my dogs, my work, my canoeing. And so once I could let go of this um, insatiable need to have to be filled up in a relationship or a romance, I was able to find real love. Yeah, that's a really nice. I really like, thank you for telling that story. No, it's, a, like- it's, it's really true. I mean, I really, really let go of the illusion. I mean, look, I, I'm not a spring chicken. If you're someone younger in your 30s or you want to get married, you want to have kids, I get it. And that's a really hard thing to say to yourself. Oh, well, I'll just be alone forever. But I, I think it's just the vibration that you want to be in. You just want to be mm-hmm. in a high vibration. I really love my life. And I welcome the right person. But for the moment, for today, I'm going to be really happy. Um, I'm certainly not suggesting people make a decision at 20 years old or something or 30 or even a little older. Oh, well, I'll just be alone forever. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm older. I'm, I'm 50 plus. So for me, it was really easy to just say, I've had a really full life. It's going to be okay no matter what. So I think it's really, if you're younger, it's really about stay in that high vibration of, you know, my life is really great today and I welcome up whatever comes my way. Mm, I like that. That's really, really great advice. Thank you. Okay. Um, so actually we've talked a lot about support. Is there anything else that you have to offer the audience or any other things that we can, we can mention? here? Well, I just wanted to say that, you know, love addicts really are vulnerable to toxic relationships with narcissists or addicts or unavailable partners. So they can be very exhausting and frustrating and people may feel like they're doomed to stay in these really unhealthy and miserable relationships. And it's really easy for love addicts to get into these relationships because they're repeating this early trauma into their adult relationships and they just have really low self-worth and you just have to be really careful. So rather than relying on the facade of love to fill your emotional voids, you just really need to identify healthier strategies to manage manage daily feelings of stress. Um, You really have to create healthier boundaries. You really have to increase your self-esteem. You really need to process your childhood trauma and, you know, learn some assertiveness skills so that if you find yourself in one of these relationships, you know, you have the communication skills to move through it and move out. 
Um, and just really being able to recognize this is a toxic relationship because once you're in one of those relationships, it's very hard to get out of. That's why mm -hmm. we have that no contact rule. So, you know, if you're a love addict, I highly, highly suggest, like I said earlier, there's lots of support out there. I, they can work with me. They can join my group. They can go to 12-step meetings. There's lots and lots of great stuff out there. They can get my book, Love Smacked, which is all about moving through love addiction and codependency. There's just a lot of support out there. And, um, you know, let's take the shame away and let's just grow from the experience and, and find healthy relationships. Awesome. And how do we, when we were looking for someone to help us through this, how do we know that we've found the right person for us? You know how like, I think, I think you, have to, you have to feel a connection. You have to feel like, oh my God, I could relate to that person. I mean, I know that people like working with me because they know I've been there both personally and professionally. They know I've been with an alcoholic. They know that I have, I've had multiple marriages. They know that I've been a love addict. And most people don't judge me for that. They actually go, wow, she's really done the work. That's really awesome. And of course mm. I'm a professional. I'm licensed. You want to, you want to really work with someone who knows their stuff. I mean, I know there's coaches are great. That's fine. But if they're really not going to work, if you really have trauma, you really need to work with someone other than a coach. You need to work with a licensed professional. Mm, yeah, I definitely agree with that. 100%. Yeah. yeah, that stuff is really important. Um, just one more question. If, if we've done this work, we've gone through all these steps and then we find someone, how do we know, like, obviously we'd be more aware at this stage of doing all this work, but if we run into someone who, who they have got some issues, like they're codependent or they're a love addict, can we see that sooner and yeah, then well, exit sooner? Yeah, I would say it's more likely they're going to run into a narcissist if, you know, if they are a love addict, but if they're not a love addict and they, you know, they're healthy and they're listening to this podcast, but they start seeing someone who is very addictive in the way they're dating you, they want to be with you all the time, they're very controlling, um, they want to, you know, get serious right away. Um, you know, they do this love bombing stuff where, you know, you're the one and I, you're the only one and I've never felt this way before. You know, you, you might want to really go, hey, you know, relationships should be really slow and steady and not so intense. But what happens is we love hearing those things, right? We all want to be loved. But I think when it comes at us in a really, uh, like I said, a love bombing kind of way, um, I think you got to really be aware that you're probably dealing with a narcissist. You may even be dealing with a love addict. Yeah. And then getting caught up in that cycle again. Exactly. What about, um, what about some, is, do you have any dating tips? Because I know you mentioned at the start that, um, you know, in today's dating culture, there's a lot of that just swiping and it, is, it has really changed the quality of conversation. And I think, I mean, I can speak for myself and some other friends that I've spoken to about it. It's just exhausting. Like online dating is just absolutely exhausting. It's exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it only takes one. So don't give up. I know that it's really one of the, it's, I hate to say it's the only way, but as we get older, it is one great option is to do the online dating, but think of it as just one option. Try to still do other things, you know, play tennis, play pickleball, you know, uh, take up hiking, join a meetup. But if you're doing the online dating, you know, remember that it is online dating. Don't take it personal. It's never about you. You know, usually it's, you know, mm. the problem is with online dating is people can ghost you really easily that which means you know kind of disappearing and the reason they do that is because there's no accountability like in the old days when i would was dating when i was younger you'd get fixed up with somebody and nobody nobody would ghost you they would just say hey we're not a match but nowadays because they'd be too embarrassed by the person that fixed you fixed the two of you up so mm -hmm. nowadays they just ghost you because there's no like i said there's no accountability so don't take it personal they're just you know i always say this rejection is protection 
It's total protection. That means that person was not right for you. I wouldn't spend lots and lots of time talking to these people to nauseam. I'd be like, you know, you want to give them your number. I, I say, be safe, you know, use a phone number that I don't know, one of these portable phones. I don't know, but I probably wouldn't give too much personal information. Have a conversation. You know, if you feel there's some kind of connection, meet them. If, if they still want to talk and talk and there's no like date planned or meetup planned, I, I would lose them real fast. I wouldn't waste a lot of time. You know, it's a numbers game. I hate to say it, it really is a numbers game. It's the law of mm. averages. So you kind of have to uh, talk to a few people before you find that right one. And what are some green flags that we should be looking for? Why you would want to be with somebody? Yeah, um, yeah. You know, someone that is balanced, someone that's healthy, someone that's done the work on themselves. Um, you know, someone that obviously is not abusive, someone who isn't, a you know, an addict, uh, someone who's not a serial cheater. I mean, you want to really look at their history. Who are they? Who, you know, who, how have they lived their life? How do they treat the waitress? Are they a kind person? Are they thoughtful? Mm. Um, what are their values? Values is a huge one. You know, the, the person that I'm with now, I think he's really one of the first guys that we share so many similar values about the way we see things. And Unfortunately, today, even the political environment, if somebody is on the opposite end of the political spectrum, that's what ended another relationship I was in. We just could not see eye to eye politically. So I think that is something, unfortunately, we have to add to our toolbox these days or to our, not toolbox, but to our specifications. Because if you really have different ideas about the way the world works, the way you see things, it's going to become a problem. So really look and see, like, do you have shared values? You know, one person, liking crime movies, the other person liking love stories is not a deal breaker. That's just a preference. You know, one person likes sports, the other person doesn't like sports. So what? But who you are as a person and how you are, how you are in the world is much more important. And also, you know, I was pretty shallow. You know, if you looked really good, you smelled really good, I wanted to be with you. I had to change that storyline. I realize that, you know, what a person looks like, you know, I'm not saying you, you don't, you have to have attraction, of course, there has to be attraction, but you have to really look beyond what they're, you know, having that really great smile or those dimples or they're tall or they're this or that. If you have some type, I say lose the type and, you know, really look at who the person is. Mm, yeah. A friend of mine said she met, I don't know where, I can't remember where she met her husband, but she said, if she would have seen him on the date, she would have swiped on, on a dating app. She would have swiped left because he was he's shorter than her. And now they're married. And she said, he's the most amazing man. Oh, yeah. And she said, I totally would have missed out. Oh, yeah. I mean, I always went for dark, handsome, whatever. The guy I'm with now is light-skinned. He's really tall, which I never really went for tall guys because I'm kind of petite. I mean, he's just not my type that I had in my brain. But I'm, mm -hmm. you know, he's fantastic. He's a wonderful human being. He's a wonderful person. So I don't ever miss those other qualities that were sort of, uh, sort of shallow, really. Mm, superficial. Yeah. I mean, yeah. here's the thing. Everyone ages, right? Looks fade. That's um, right. Where did you, where did you meet him? How did you, um, I, I did, did you meet him? I did meet him on a, um, online dating app. Yep. And, and so you, so you, even though he wasn't your type, you just took a chance. Well, I brought in my age range, you know, because I'm older, I decided, you know, I want, I can, go younger or older. Um, I know several people actually that have met their relate, their people online that were younger and it seemed to work out. So I was really open to that. Um, mm -hmm. and he is younger and I, who would have thought somebody five years younger, but it's not an issue. Mm -hmm. No. So I, I would say, you know, broaden your age range. I think you could even broaden geographic location. 
I didn't necessarily. He does live in the city. I live in the valley, so we're probably an hour apart when it, when there's traffic. But I mean, that's not a big deal. But even somebody that might have been cross country or another state or another you know city up north, I mean, I would have been okay with that. Just really, um, you just never know when love's going to find you. So keep yourself open. Ah, oh, Sherry, this has been so great. Thank you so much. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know you did mention uh, a couple of times where people can find you, but if you can just mention that again, that'd be great. Well, it's Wake Up Recovery. Um, it, I have a shorter link. So what I'm going to suggest is people really look at your show notes because I don't have it in front of me, to be honest, the, the link. Um, you could go to Wake Up Recovery, but it's it takes you to another site. So I will give you the link. I'll send it to your assistant. You'll have it. It'll be in the show notes. And then I'll also be offering a free ebook on love addiction and narcissistic partners. Perfect, perfect. And for anyone wondering, you can find all the links mentioned in this episode at rebellove.com forward slash EP38. Sherry, thank you so much again. It's been an absolute pleasure. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Rebel Love Podcast, the podcast about love, sex, relationships, and money. If you like this episode, please support us by subscribing and leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform. And find all the details of this episode and more at rebellove.com forward slash podcast.